Yes, sir. Here we are kicking off another week. We've got Parker back with us. Man, we have so much stuff to get to today. I don't know if we'll have time to get to it all. We're going to give it our best shot. Portal news, the Sooners uh, with a uh, good news situation today. Devon Sears, the uh, interior defensive lineman from Texas State, is coming to Oklahoma over the weekend. They also got Rondell Bothroyd, the edge rusher out of Wake Forest. So some good news there. Tyrone Broden coming next, the wide receiver from Bowling Green. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Sooner Hoops over the weekend, a much-needed victory in Lubbock in overtime over Texas Tech. Sooners go to Kansas. Uh, They haven't won at the Fog since 1993, but they will play KU tomorrow night. We'll talk about that. NFL Wild Card Weekend is coming up. We had the final regular season weekend, Week 18. Yesterday, Cliff Kingsbury fired today by the Arizona Cardinals. You had the unbelievable news about DeMar Hamlin's tweeting and everything this weekend. How great was that? Uh, The Ogilvie City Thunder won two games over the weekend. They've got a four-game road trip coming up. And we have a national championship game tonight between TCU and Georgia out in L.A. Parker Thune, how are we doing? Steely, I am overjoyed to be back in God's country. I'm thrilled to see your face again. And, of course, I'm exceedingly excited for Arizona Cardinals head coach Lincoln Riley. Let's do this. Yes, let's do it. You know, he's going to stick around with Caleb Williams one more year, though. Right? Don't you think? I mean, I mean, Sean McVay could be leaving leaving the Rams as well. You know, we kind of heard that before, and we're hearing it. That's heating up again. Baker Mayfield, by the way, we'll have some uh, Baker Mayfield sound coming up a little bit later. And we do have Jesse Crittenden coming up today at 135 to talk uh, Sooner football and Sooner basketball. But there there could be a couple opportunities there for Mule to go to the NFL. My life would be a lot easier if Muleshoe <laughs> went to the NFL. I would have a lot less stress that I really shouldn't have as it is. But if he went to the NFL, that would put me in the next stage. You could pull Acceptance. that USC t-shirt out of mothballs yeah, again I could, and I could wear it with pride. worrying about what USC is doing and just worry about Muleshoe. Well, I wouldn't worry about Muleshoe in the NFL. I just don't want him in college football anymore at all all right uh portal news and by the way we're, we're, uh, we're as always i'm so wound up today i started early on the energy drinks uh tim lasher lasher home comfort systems 405-579-3113 now it's going to be a pretty good week weather wise but you know there's more winter ahead if you need some work on that furnace lasher home comfort systems 405-579-3113 how about the uh, the portal gets over the weekend for oklahoma now they lost out on matt lee from UCF the center, who's going to Miami, taking that Miami money. But they do get Devon Sears today, and they got Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest over the weekend. So you've got an interior guy and another edge guy. Well, it goes a long way towards addressing needs, right? And it's okay if you miss out on a guy like Matt Lee, all things considered. Because when you look at where this team struggled in 2022 – Defense was where the vast majority of those struggles lay, and specifically within the front seven. And yeah, heading into 2023, I am confident that we're going to see breakout years from guys like Ethan Downs and R. Mason Thomas. I think we're going to see a lot of somebody like P.J. out of Barre. I think the linebacker core is going to be much improved. But when you look at the front seven and you look at what Oklahoma did or rather didn't do in 2022, the question becomes – Do you want to bank on all the same guys making that leap 
from 2022 to 2023 and having no viable contingency plan if that doesn't happen. So I think strength in numbers for Oklahoma, bringing in proven FBS contributors who have been able to make their hay and start and produce at the FBS and especially the Power 5 level with a guy like Bothroyd, I think that's all you can do at this point if you're Oklahoma to build towards a better defense in 2023 because we do trust that those same guys that were mediocre to above average at times in 2023 are going to be above average to elite uh, come next fall. But again, it's not something that you want to count on and have no contingency plan in place for if that doesn't happen. All right? if, if for whatever reason R. Mason Thomas doesn't make that leap or if for whatever reason – Isaiah Coe isn't the guy to fill Jalen Redmond's shoes on the interior. You want to have somebody with experience, somebody with uh, somebody who's physically ready for college football and that has gone up against the likes of Big 12 offensive linemen in the past. You want to have guys like that that you can lean on if, for whatever reason, the same horses that you were rolling out in 2022 aren't getting better come 2023. You expect these guys, when you're going to the portal, you're expecting these guys to be ready to play, right? I mean, that's why you go to the portal. It's it's like fix-a-flat, but you hope it lasts a lot longer. Uh, Devon Sears, Rondell Bothroyd, Jacob Lacey, Trace Ford, of course, Deshaun McCullough. I still think he's the biggest impact guy. And then you have uh, Reggie Pearson Jr. from Tech coming in at safety. All these guys, Parker, I think can come in and, you know, play significant roles immediately. I think McCullough is a game changer for Oklahoma. If you had to pick the number two guy on that list defensively right now, the guys that are coming in behind Deshaun McCullough, I think we both agree he's the guy. Yes, number one, without question. Who would be second? Probably Reggie Pearson, in my mind. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, just because there's a lot of young talent in that safety room, but – there's not a guy that has Pearson's breadth of experience. And you're super excited about Billy Bowman. And I think you're super excited about what Robert Spears Jennings could become in year two or what Peyton Bowen could be right off the bat for this program. But it does you good to have somebody that's played as much ball at the Power 5 level as Reggie Pearson has to lean on. And you know that that's going to be a plug-and-play option if no better alternative emerges amongst your core of young guns in the safety room. So I think Reggie Pearson is a vital cog for this Oklahoma football program. And he's a guy that was an all-Big 12 performer in 2022. He was the guy who put the hit on Dylan Gabriel, right? That's true. Laid him out. Yeah, he did. He's a hitter back there. He's a hitter. All right, uh, who do you think is next? Would it be Broden? Would that be your guess that could be next Man, for Oklahoma? it is going to, like, at this point, it's going to throw everybody for a loop if Tyrone Broden goes anywhere but Oklahoma. Because... Just look at that dude's Twitter presence. He is all OU. And look, he would not be the first guy to have a stunning change of heart and end up taking an offer from one of the other portal options for one reason or another. I, I always go back to Trey Harris as it pertains to guys in the portal because when Trey Harris left Norman after his Oklahoma visit, he was going to be a Sooner. Then Lane Kiffin comes along, and there's some money involved, and he's at Ole Miss, just like that. So, you can't take anything to the bank until these guys commit, until they make it official. So, I'm not saying you take it to the bank on Tyrone Broden, because we've seen crazier things happen with portal guys 
especially this year now that big NIL dollars are involved for many of them. But I still would be surprised if Tyrone Broden isn't a Sooner at the end of all of this. He was on the uh, same Penn State visit with uh, Devon Sears. And again, he was all over, you know, liking and retweeting the uh, Devon Sears announcement. So Tyrone Broden, the uh, wide receiver, 6'7 kid from Bowling Green, might be next in line for Oklahoma. So there's a lot of stuff happening. Six, a seven, lot of that, stuff. Is, that is a big dude. It is. Because you think about Jaden Gibson is a behemoth. You look at him in compare, like you go out there and stand at practice, and you look at Jaden Gibson compared to every other wide receiver on the Oklahoma roster. He's towering over them. Imagine that, and tack another two inches on top of that. That's yeah. Tyrone Broden. All right. Also, a couple other uh, receivers still out there. Andale Anthony from Michigan, and you have uh, what's going on with uh, J. Michael Sturdivant from uh, Cal? Yeah, it it doesn't feel like J. Michael Sturdivant's even going to really give Oklahoma a look, which is odd to me. There's been a lot of buzz for Tennessee and a lot of buzz for UCLA. And maybe things change. Maybe the process drags out a little bit more. Maybe Oklahoma is able to get a foot in the door with him. But, man, I figured OU would be an instant front runner for the kid when he hit the portal out of Cal because OU was the runner-up for his commitment out of high school. But it, it, there's not a whole lot that seems to be pointing in that direction as far as Sturdivant's concerned. Uh, OU made some headway with Andrell Anthony, and I don't feel quite as good about that one as I do about Tyrone Broden, but there's some reason to believe that maybe Andrell Anthony is a Sooner at the end of all of this. I don't know, man. That's a guy that's going to be able to go pretty much anywhere he wants, and he's going to have plenty of other suitors, already does have plenty of other suitors, so we will see. I'm very, and here's the thing. We talk about portal guys, and everybody's like, well, you're hedging. Tell us what you really think. Well, I'm, listen, I'm telling you what I think. I'm telling you about as much as I can right now, which is that, yeah, Oklahoma's in good standing with Andrew L. Anthony. They're in really good standing with Tyrone Broden. And when push comes to shove, I can't confidently predict anything, virtually anything that goes on in the portal because we've seen things like the Trey Harris situation, right, where everything falls through because somebody comes to the table with a substantial financial offer. Yeah, and, and that was the thing uh, I was thinking about with Devon Sears because Tennessee was involved there, and Tennessee has a lot of NIL dollars, and they have uh, made a lot of headway with that. Josh Heupel's also done a great job. But, so, but uh, Devon Sears did pick Oklahoma today over Penn State and Tennessee. So by my count, that's nine. You had Sears, you had Rondell Bothroy, the edge uh, rusher from Wake Forest, along with Jacob Lacey, Trace Ford, Deshaun McCullough, Luke Elzinga, the punter, Reggie Pearson Jr., the safety from Tech, Caleb Schaefer, the O-lineman from Miami, and, of course, Austin Stogner coming back as well. On the text line, somebody in the 580 says, why are we bringing in more wide receivers? The room is full of talent. Well, I think it's as simple as you're not getting Marvin Mims back, yeah. right? Not, Marvin Mims I mean, is gone. There's, there's some so. proven talent, but there's some that's potential. Yeah. Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, guys like that. Uh, certainly when you look at Jaleel Farouk and Drake Stoops, proven performers, but you still need more. And when you're looking ahead to 2023, right, in a world where you have Marvin Mims returning, you know who the guy is at wide receiver. In a world where you don't have Marvin Mims, and unfortunately that's the world that Oklahoma's living in, you don't know who the guy is. And we all have our opinions as to who, is gonna, as to who it's going to be, right? It could be Jalil Farouk. It could be Nick Anderson. Heck, maybe Drake Stoops. 
takes on a much more prominent role in this offense. But you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt who the guy is at wideout. And when you don't know, you, it it is to your benefit to stack that room with as many potential contributors as possible. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we're underway here on a Monday. Parker obviously is back. Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We're going to head to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405 651 3439. What a big win that was in Lubbock Saturday night for the Oklahoma Sooners. Porter Moser, pretty happy about that. We'll hear from him coming up. We have Jesse Crittenden on the way at 135. Bunch of your texts coming in. We'll get to as many as we can. Keep it here on the ref. What a win for Porter. That was a nice one in Lubbock Saturday night. Sooners get it done, 68-63, 10-5, in the league now. Overtime victory in Lubbock, Jalen Hill, 8 points in overtime, 18 points, 9 rebounds. Uh, Lois Suzan also had a nice game with 18. Uh, Grant Sherfield only 11, 4 of 17, uh, 3 of 12 uh, from a 3. But uh, once again, Sooners find a way. Debian Harmon, former Sooner, 23 for Texas Tech. Kevin O'Banner, former ORU Golden Eagle, had 15 for Tech. I know Tech was with uh, out a couple players, Bacho and Isaacs, but that's a great win for the Sooners. And I, I think you could describe Porter Moser as pretty happy following that Sooners clutch win in Lubbock. Just a gutsy performance. I mean, just a, I mean, Texas Tech doesn't make it look pretty, but I thought we had some unbelievable ball movement. We were spraying the ball, moving the ball um, against one of the top defenses in the country. And uh, just, the, just the gutsiness of, of the guys to stay with it after a couple days ago, just having another heartbreak loss. But um, this was a great, it's going to be a quad one road victory in the bank. And uh, every game is going to be an opportunity, but just needed this. We needed this with, with, for some belief. All the road teams won in the league over the weekend. The Sooners in Lubbock, uh, Texas won in Stillwater, 56-46. K-State, how about the job Jerome Tang is doing? They're up to 11 in the country. It's about time somebody raided this team. Uh, 97-95, they won in Waco. Kansas won in Morgantown, 76-62. Iowa State, a two-point win in Fort Worth against the Frogs, 69-67. Sooners at KU tomorrow night, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. The last time the Sooners won in the Fog was 1993. That great game for Terry Evans. Billy Tubbs was still coaching. Miss Billy, what a legend. What a legend he was. So we'll see if the Sooners uh, possibly could get it done. Going to be very unlikely, but they're going to throw the ball up in that uh, center circle and see what happens tomorrow night, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. That is our Ortho Central clip of the day from Porter Moser. Ortho Central with clinics now in Norman, Midwest City, and now a new Tri-City location as well, serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics do a great job treating orthopedic and uh, sports medicine injuries. That's Ortho Central. All right, so you were in San Antonio. What about the San Antonio Sooners and how they performed in that All-American game? Sammy Omasigo, Josh Bates, Josiah Wagner, Macari Vickers all there. Yeah, so Josh Bates uh, had an injury. Injury, yeah. Yeah, suffered a hand injury. Uh, only played, I think, till about midway through the second quarter, and then he was done. Uh, so a little bit of an incomplete grade for a guy like that, just based on how much we didn't see of him. Uh, I, I'd seen Samuel Masigo before. 
uh, plenty of times. I knew what kind of player he was and know what kind of player he is. And I think there were a lot of people that were seeing him for the first time and were really, really impressed with what he brought to the table. But there's a reason that guy's a top 100 prospect in the country. He flies around. He looks extremely physically ready to play Power 5 college football. And one thing that my colleagues were all remarking on is even as his team is getting blown out, and you see other guys getting demoralized and starting to lose their stamina a little bit. Samuel Mystique, Samuel Masigo is still going 110% on every single snap. And that's the type of player that OU's getting in the four-star linebacker out of Crandall, Texas. Uh, Makari Vickers is a really, really physical cornerback. That's what st- stood out to me the most about his play is – He is not afraid to get up in your face, make contact, try to stand you up at the line of scrimmage, completely unafraid uh, at the point of attack. And a guy that regardless of whether he plays cornerback or safety is going to be a dynamic addition to Oklahoma's back end on defense. And then the one guy that I hadn't seen yet, hadn't had really had the chance to even interact with all that much was Josiah Wagner, obviously from the state of Washington, Lake Spanaway. And that dude is not very big, about five foot ten, probably only about 170, 175 pounds. He's a dog, Steely, and I think I I see some parallels to the way that Peyton Bowen plays the safety position is in that he has no regard for life or limb, and he's gonna hit you in the mouth, and it doesn't matter how big you are or how big he isn't. He's gonna fly at you and he's going to make his presence felt, and he's going to arrive at the point of attack with some force. You would so, think by the time he's uh, through a Schmitty offseason, is he coming in early, Wagner? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. I offhand. can't remember if he's – I've got that list somewhere. Anyway, the bottom line is is this. You would think he would play probably at 180, maybe maybe even 185. Yeah, 180, 185. In that range. Thereabouts. So, uh, but man, if he likes contact that much already, wait till he gets with uh, Jerry Schmidt, then it's going to be even more fierce, uh, you would think. Yeah, you don't you don't really see a guy like that as willing or as able to come down and run support as Josiah Wagner is. And so it was really encouraging uh, to see the way that he performed, particularly defending the run on Saturday. Got the chance to talk to his dad quite a bit. Uh, his dad's a very, very uh, straightforward no-nonsense type of guy, and he said, look, I, I'm i under no delusions. I understand that my kid's probably going to redshirt, but we're very excited to be Sooners, and Josiah is very excited to join the family. And how, it. how did they pull him out of the state of Washington? Was there any kind of yeah. connection there? Or was it just good recruiting by Oklahoma? It was just good recruiting, man, and as Josiah phrased it to me after the game, he said Oklahoma just felt like home, and I believed in Coach Venables and Coach Valai and the direction that they had for the program. All right, let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. When is the next 24-7 rankings update? So every other, every site in the industry, every site in the recruiting industry, so 24-7, on three, ESPN, and Rivals, they're all going to have one more update prior to National Signing Day in February. So uh, the final update will give us a chance to find out where – the Oklahoma signees are all going to land definitively in the 2023 recruiting rankings. Um, Based on performances at the All-Star Games, I would imagine Jackson Arnold gets a bit of a bump. P.J. Adebare is going to see a bump. I think Jaquay's Petaway may go up. 
Lewis Carter certainly made some believers with his performance in Orlando. And then I think you'll see the stock rise for Josiah Wagoner as well. So there could be some positive late movement for Oklahoma. So the Sooners are still at six, right? They're still at six for the moment. Yes. So is there a chance they could move up five, you know, to the top five? Do you think when it's all said and done? Going to be tough? I, I wouldn't count on it. Just because they're basically done, too. There may be another program or two that jump them because they get another commit or two late in the cycle. But I, I would figure that Oklahoma's just about done progressing upward. They may drop to seven or even to eight, but I think six is probably the ceiling right now. There I'd be go. surprised if they find their way into the top five. Um, <laughs> Kendall says, Davion Harmon is a traitor. Snake. I forgot Davion Harmon was a Red Raider. I until... know. Wasn't that weird? Did was he? Did he go to Oregon? He was he in went Oregon, to Oregon for a year. Right? Yep. Went to Oregon for a year, and I'm like, I thought the same thing, and I thought, that's wait a minute, that's de-. and I completely forgot about it. They had two guys out. Tech did, but uh, and Harmon had a heck of a game. Twenty three points for Tech. All right. Uh, by the way, from the uh, what was that? Was that the five eight zero that said uh, Cam Rising is coming back to Utah for another year? That's a hero right there. Cam Rising is a hero, and the Utah Utes, we are shaking virtual hands with Kyle Whittingham again because they have done great work in helping us heal. What was the, Somewhat. Uh, what was the movement that you orchestrated? OFU. Oh, OFU, that's right. Oklahoma's that's right. for Utah. Oklahoma's for Utah. OFU. So, yes, we love the Utes here. Oh. Uh, Ardmore Sooner says, in light of the real-world severity of the DeMar Hamlin situation, can we stop with the comments like, this football player will give life and limb for football slash tackle? Thanks for the thoughtfulness, guys. I appreciate the show. I I, I mean, I get the sentiment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just, a cliche. Yeah, it's, it's a cliche. It's, I mean, I, I you're right. But, man, how about that news, though? I mean, you got him tweeting, and, you know, sometimes – and I'm not afraid to say this, I think you get a God thing that happens every now and then. And I'm saying that opening kickoff, I mean, you've got to block and execute it, but I'm also thinking that's a little bit of a, that's a lot of bit no, of a God is. thing there. No, you know I believe it, in that stuff. And you know what it made me think of was when D. Gordon hit a leadoff home run after Jose Fernandez passing yeah. back in September of 2016. And after the game, he said, I ain't never hit a ball that far, even in batting practice. We had some help with that one. <laughs> yeah, that that was awesome. I, you know, I'm all in on the Bills. I know we got a lot of Chiefs fans here, but I would love to see Buffalo win it because that city deserves a Super Bowl. And with all the uh, stuff that's been going on, I, I saw the same tweet you did. I'm laughing. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I'm all in on the Bills. I'd love to see the Bills win it. I really would. That'd be awesome. From the 405, when is a transfer portal player officially with a team? Yes, well, there is no signing for a transfer portal player. They basically just show up and start taking classes. So once they show up to class, that's when they're with the team officially. That's when they're locked in. Dylan Gabriel, remember Dylan Gabriel was this close to being at UCLA. So uh, we'll see. And don't forget, there's another period where uh, the second portal period where that was like when Oklahoma got Mike Woods from Arkansas a couple years ago, right? Didn't Hazelwood did Hazelwood go through the second 
portal phase to Arkansas. I'm trying to remember. But again, after spring football, there's another brief period where you can get players from the portal going to and from. All right, break time right here. Happy Monday, everybody. Mondays aren't that happy, but let's try and make it as happy as we can. Come on, get happy like the Partridge family back in the 70s. What is he talking about? Older reference, lost on younger listeners. I get that. Stay with us. Coming back on The Ref. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. The Air Comfort Solutions text line always available to you. 405-651-3439. We are brought to you here in our first hour by uh, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you. Heating and air needs, they'll get it done and uh, at a very reasonable price. They've done work at Shea Stadium. They do an outstanding job. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury fired by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I think it was Brian in Tulsa on our text line asked the question, what happens if the Dallas Cowboys go to Tampa and lose to Tom Brady and company on wild card weekend and they fire Mike McCarthy? Could Muleshoe finally take that Dallas Cowboys job? You know, you always heard some rumors about that. If Mike McCarthy gets fired after going 13-4, and Standards for head coaches in the NFL have gotten way too high. That was a pathetic performance, though. Yesterday also, you might Dallas. have to carry the show this segment, Steely, because I'm dealing with a sneezing fit at the moment. The old sneezing fit. You know, Plank accused me of being his dad here recently because I had the out loud sneeze and he had the door open and I was in the production room with the door open. And, yeah, that's basically how my old man sneeze sounds. It goes... I heard Plank. I had Plank on uh, in the cue speaker while I was editing in the other studio. He goes, man, is my dad here or something? You don't have a dad sneeze, though, do you? I don't think so. Is it? I, is it? You sometimes the sneeze extreme. You never know. You can have a wimpy sneeze like that, or you can have the Godzilla. You know, that kind of sneeze. So where does the dad sneeze fall? What are the characteristics of a dad sneeze? Really loud and sometimes So it's the Godzilla out. sneeze? Yes. Okay. Like, I've explained my dad sneeze. Rest in peace, dad. But my dad, we used to laugh because we, he had what we called the bucking bronco sneeze. He was like he was riding a bucking bronco. I shouldn't say that as much. I could get in trouble. But he had the wind up, which was like, eh, eh, eh. And then he'd throw his hand up in the air and go, yeah, that was his sneeze. I think your sneeze gets louder as you get older, in my opinion. I don't know if that's the opinion of other people out there, other olds like myself. I think just in general, you get louder as you get older. Just me? That's it? That's it? No, no, no. Just people in general. Oh, well, they get louder maybe as they get because older. you can't hear anything. They, well, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I will agree with that. As your will... hearing starts to diminish... Your volume starts to increase. I make sure when I leave here that I turn the headphones down because I know this decibel level I have them at right now will break somebody's eardrum. Yeah, I tell you what, when I put on those headphones after you've been wearing them, it's like, hello. Yeah, it's bad, man. It's bad. Probably the only guy with worse hearing than me that still has some hearing is Pete Townsend of The Who, you know, with all that loud music. But it's pretty bad. So, <laughs> my one of my favorite Frank Caliendo cracks of all time was when the Who was going to play this uh, the Super Bowl back in what 2009, something like that. And Frank Caliendo was like, "Those guys are so old; they ought to change their name to the what?" <laughs> 
Don't dog the who, man. I saw them first row here. They're awesome. Of course, they didn't have John Entwistle or Keith Moon around anymore, but and I can't remember the other drummer's name, Kenny something, I believe, but uh, it was still a good show. So uh, Cliff Kingsbury is out in Arizona. Do you like Cliff Kingsbury? No. Does anyone like Cliff Kingsbury? I don't really like Cliff Kingsbury. Number one, Texas Tech. Anybody, you know, I'll accept Mike Leach because he wasn't originally a Tech guy, but like original texters, like Mule Shoe, like Cliff Kingsbury, I'm not a fan of. I'm just not. Plus, Cliff Kingsbury is too good looking to like. Listen, I will give credit where credit is due. That man is spectacular when it comes to failing upward. Because oh, yes, no doubt. He did not deserve that Cardinals job when he got it in the first <laughs> no, place. How did he, but you know, that the, was crazy. The Cardinals got exactly what they bargained for when they hired Cliff Kingsbury, which is four years of mediocrity. Well, and like I said, Cliff Kingsbury to me is too good looking. I'm just saying, when you are at my age and you're aesthetically challenged as each year goes by, then you really get angry at Cliff Kingsbury because he's a multimillionaire. And he's, you know, all the ladies love him and all that stuff. Therefore, I'm just shallow enough to not like him just because of that. That's how I roll. I, here's my thing. I can understand being indifferent about Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think there's anybody, like, going to bat for Cliff Kingsbury, though. I don't think there are any Cliff Kingsbury devotees out there. Are there? Nobody is sitting there arguing, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury didn't get a fair shake in Arizona. It, Kyler Murray no, turned got, on him. He got much more than he deserved. Kyler Murray, remember when Kyler Murray told him to F and chill or whatever it was when he was going over to the sideline? Obviously, that relationship okay, well, fell apart. Yeah, well, Kyler Murray is he's dynamic and very talented, but he's also somewhat petulant. So he's that Kyler's marriage, got some diva in him. Yes, that marriage with Cliff Kingsbury, who himself is a diva, a more subdued diva, but a diva nonetheless, was always destined for an ugly ending. Kyler is the biggest Sooner quarterback, ex Sooner quarterback diva. Right? Is there anybody that's in the same neighborhood? No. And he's a great player. He's probably the most talented that they've had of all the Heisman Trophy winners when it comes to doing a little bit of everything. But um, there, there's some diva there. There's some diva there. All right, you want to get some text in? Yeah, uh, there's a national championship game being played today. There is, and we're going to uh, hear from uh, Sonny Dykes a little bit later. One listener hit the text line and said, Parker, I woke up feeling Georgia money line and minus 13. Convince me that I'm wrong. Kendra Miller going to play, or is uh, he out? Do we know anything for certain yet? We do not. Not to my knowledge, at least. Now, here, here's what I would say. I do not believe that TCU wins this game tonight. It's been a magical run for the Horned Frogs, but it feels like one of those runs, right, a la Butler in the NCAA tournament in March Madness back in 2010, it feels like one of those runs where they just don't have enough to go all the way. But right? they were Gordon Hayward shot away, though, right? Oh, yeah. I guess I was more thinking Butler in 2011 than oh, yeah, you're in th- 2010. Yeah, you're right. 2011, you kind of knew going in, okay, UConn's going to finish them off. But um, it feels to me like TCU, as inspired as they have played down the stretch here and as charmed as this season has been, it just doesn't feel like they have enough juice to get past Georgia tonight. So my pick is the Bulldogs. However, 
I do not expect TCU to lay down and die by any means. I it think was, they keep this game close. So it's up to 13. I saw 12 and a half yesterday, so it's up to 13. The uh, the situation, Kenny Jones, yes, good call. Um, the situation is I think TCU needs a good start. Now, they've come from behind a lot and found ways to win, but I don't know if they could do it against this Georgia team. You know what they're going to try and do? What have they done all year? Knocked out a quarterback, right? <laughs> Watch out Stetson Bennett, man. Oh, keep, keep an eye on those kneecaps. That's right. Watch Stetson Bennett. Watch out Jamoy Hodge. He's a headhunter. TCU's been knocking quarterbacks out all year long. They haven't done as, as much down the stretch. But I, I would say there's a 25% chance that Stetson Bennett gets knocked out of this game at some point. Maybe, also, not, the, maybe not the whole game, but... Do you see Stetson Bennett's me? comments this morning where he was – or I think it was yesterday where he was like, we're here to show it to all the folks that doubted us. And it's like, who doubted you? Like, <laughs> who who yeah. convinces these guys? Now, I remember Bryce Young standing on the Heisman podium and being like, my whole life I've been counted out and kind of – like, yeah. you were a five-star, yeah. the number two player in your recruiting class. You went to Alabama and started as a redshirt freshman. No one doubted you. Is that the difference between the SEC and the rest of college football? The SEC just has those figureheads, i.e. the likes of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, that are really, really good somehow at convincing their players Mm -hmm. that they're underdogs and that they have doubters and haters, even when no one on the planet is doubting them at all? Who do we want to win tonight, by the way? That is the question. I'm not rooting for the Big 12. I'm sorry. I don't like TCU. Maybe my wife has gotten to me. Shay says they're dirty. All they do is knock out quarterbacks. I I'm I respect the job that Sonny Dykes has done. I know the Sooners probably have more recruiting battles with Georgia now than they ever have had, and they're going to the SEC. But I don't know. Who should we root for? I don't think I can root for TCU. I, th- I think you root for TCU. I'm really. rooting for a good game. How's you, that? You root for the underdog in this scenario, especially when the underdog, in this case with TCU, is the complete antithesis of what we have come to understand a championship program to be in terms of DNA and in terms of makeup. Because TCU... I think the statistic goes, and I need to cite our 24-7 sports national writer Chris Hummer on this because he put out a fantastic piece earlier today that kind of outlines just how shocking and how unprecedented this national title run uh, for TCU is. But here you go. TCU's blue chip ratio is 23.7%. They rank 32nd in the team talent composite. And here, here's one. Here's a statistic. Here's a factoid for you. Every national title game participant since 2002 has had at least one top 15 class as the foundation of its roster. TCU's four-year average, over the last four years, their average rank as far as recruiting classes are concerned, 32nd. That's crazy, isn't it? This is a team that has made a run to the national championship game and looked at times dominant while doing it, despite the fact that they're a bunch of three stars for the most part. I may get into it, well, you know, watching the game if TCU starts doing some good stuff. I don't know. I maybe I, I'm undecided at, as to who I should root for. TCU, 
I do think that uh, they've been on a great run. I don't know if I can root for Kirby Smart's haircut. It's still not good. Uh, There are little things involved here that I have to decide who I'm going to root for. We want to know who you're rooting for. 405-651-3439 in the Air Coverage Solutions tax line. We'll break right here. Got a lot more to talk about. Jesse Crittenden will join us at 135. We'll talk Sooner football and Sooner basketball. Devon Sears, commitment today for Oklahoma coming through the portal from Texas State to OU. Talk about that more coming up. Stay here. We are back to wrap up our number one, Steelman and Thune. Parker's back with us. That's a good thing. Riverwind Casino is always a good thing, too. Over 2,800 electronic games. All your favorite table games are there as well. Big-time poker room. They've got the best bars and dining, the Coop Ale House Bar, the uh, River Buffet, steak night on Friday night, Saturday night at Seafood. On Sunday, it's a big-time brunch. They've got uh, Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, a tremendous food court. They've got all the best promotions right now. You have until uh, this Friday, the 13th. Is it Friday the 13th? The 10th? It is. Uh, to get out there and play in the showdown in the desert promotion. They're giving away five trips to the Super Bowl. All you need to do is use your Riverwind wild card. Get there and play on the designated uh, electronic gaming machines that have the signage around them for the showdown in the desert. It's pretty clear. Once you get out to the casino, they've got signage around those machines and stickers on the machines. Play on those, and when they tally up all the points on January 13th, If you're in the top five, you are going to win one of five trips to uh, Phoenix for the Super Bowl with everything paid for. Tickets, airfare, hotel accommodations, ground transportation. You're even going to get get $1,000 in cash from our friends at Riverwind Casino. So get online to find out more details. Pretty much that's it, though. Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Ron from Lawton, pardon me, says, Steelman, you may be shallow, but you're not hollow. Oh, I'm very shallow. Very shallow, no doubt. 405-651-3539. An incident has been posted on the status page. Hmm, do we have an incident? I don't know what that means. Have you ever seen that before? Uh, that message at the top of the screen? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's always there. Oh, is it? We always have incidents. Does that mean we're being trolled or something? If it says an incident has been posted <laughs> to the status page, troll alert? Uh, from the 918, I'm rooting for TCU. So Little Mule Shoe can have a one-up on his brother. I aspire to one day reach the same level of petty as Michael <laughs> Leach Steely. You know what? That's a pretty good reason right there. I kind of like that. That's a good idea. Question for Steely. This comes from Justin and Kawita. If you had to cut your hair for OU to win a natty and you only had two choices, is it Mark Davis's haircut or Kirby Smart's? I would go with Kirby Smart. He looks like uh, Vidal Sassoon compared to Mark Davis. I, I don't know. You can't get much lower than Mark Davis. Kirby Smart just looks like that kid, you know, kind of with the bangs and everything. Kirby Smart probably – in his fifth-grade picture, had the same haircut. Mark Davis, that's just a major, major issue. Is there anybody in sports with a worse haircut than Mark Davis? Uh, I mean, Kirby Smart is on the short list, but outside of that. I still think Kirby Smart. Quinn Ewers. Oh, well, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, Quinn Ewers is pretty bad. Did Joe Dirt do? Uh, Here we go. 
back to the text line for a moment. Parker's reasoning is exactly why I'm pulling for TCU tonight. Their success breathes life into the hope that a non-traditional power can win it all. I get that. There's just something about, uh, you know, here's the deal, too. Sonny Dykes, before this year, he was 71-63 and 63 as a head coach. I mean, he didn't exactly set the world ablaze or was this genius at La Tech, Cal, or SMU. I'm not saying he's done a great job this year, but – what is it from the 405? I root for TCU for Sonny Dyke's eyebrows. Hmm. Is there something particularly captivating or now noteworthy about look. Sonny Dyke's eyebrows? If so, I have not noticed yet. Uh, Brian in Tulsa says TCU by seven just got too much respect for Duggan to go against him. Man, you do have to respect that kid. Get beat out. Think about that first game when they play Colorado, right? You've got. Chandler Morris started the game. He's knocked out. Sonny Dykes comes in. Or not Sonny. Max Duggan comes in for Sonny Dykes. They win that game, but they weren't overly impressive in that game. TCU was picked seventh in the league. A 400-to-1 shot to win the title. I mean, this is about as big a Cinderella story as we've ever had. No, it is. In college football. It, again, it's it, feels like, it feels like one of those Butler runs to the national title in March Madness. Uh, before we get to the top of the hour break here, from the 917, what's up, guys? What's the latest on the wide receiver coach? Yeah, well, we've got about 40 seconds to answer. You want to hit here, that at the top of the hour? Here are the names you need to know at this point, and we'll can, we can loop back around to this conversation. Joe Price, UTSA. Okay. Emmett Jones, Texas Tech. Jamarcus Shepard, University of Washington. And if you ask me who the next receiver coach at the University of Oklahoma is right now, I would tell you it's Emmett Jones. There you go. There you go. All right, we got a break for the top of the hour update. We do have Jesse Crittenden joining us coming up. And uh, that'll be happening at 135 of the Riverwind Casino Hotline. From the 918, Dana Holgerson has worse hair. But, you know, for Dana Holgerson, it works. It makes Dana Holgerson Dana Holgerson. You know what I'm saying? Red Bulls coughing and bad hair. All right. Thanks to Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We're coming back. Here we are, two men talking. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Portal news today for the Sooners. Some uh, good news. They did get Devon Sears through the portal. Defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman from Texas State, picking uh, Oklahoma. So that's good news over uh, Penn State and Tennessee. Over the weekend, they also got a uh, news that Rondell Bothroyd, the edge rusher from Wake Forest, was also coming to Norman. They did lose out on uh, Michael Lee, the uh, center from UCF, who went to Miami. So by my count, again, you have nine, I believe that's right, with uh, Devon Sears, Rondell Bothroyd, uh, Jacob Lacey, Trace Ford, Deshaun McCullough, Luke Elzinga, the punter. From Central Michigan, Reggie Pearson Jr., the uh, safety from Texas Tech, Caleb Schaefer, the O-lineman from Miami, Ohio, and, of course, Austin Stogner as well. So what do you think of the Sooners' portal haul so far? I think getting a guy like Deshaun McCullough is huge because it gives you something to hang your hat on when you look at this portal class. And there are guys that have the opportunity to be really solid contributors. I look at Rondell Bothroyd and Trace Ford. 
uh, as guys that are on that short list. Obviously, Austin Stogner is an immediate answer for a tight end room that lacked experience depth. Uh, when you looked ahead to 2023 and realized that Braden Willis and Daniel Parker both weren't coming back. But in Deshaun McCullough, you get one of those meal ticket guys out of the portal. One of the dudes that everybody in the country would have made room for, if possible. And the fact that Oklahoma was able to lock him down and the fact that you can slot him in as a plug-and-play starter next year at that cheetah position, that leaves you very optimistic about the future of that position, the bridge that he can provide uh, between Deshaun White, the inaugural Cheetah at OU, and somebody like Samuel Masigo, who's coming in not really expecting to play right away, but a guy that I think is physically ready to play right away, a very cognitively advanced, and somebody that can learn a lot from somebody like Deshaun McCullough as well. Yeah, no doubt. And with all uh, due respect to guys like uh... – Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman and Ethan Downs. Uh, Deshaun McCullough might be the most impactful player on defense next season. He's got a he's got a chance to do that without question, right? Yeah. All right, 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. By the way, thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Uh, Matt Lee, did I say Michael Lee? My bad. I can't even write my own chicken scratch writing here. But um, thank you. Again, exit 72 in Paul's Valley. Ladies and gentlemen, for great deals on cars, trucks, SUVs, and pre-owned vehicles. They've got them all there on the lot uh, at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. And a great guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on your newer used gas or diesel uh, at no additional cost to you. Uh, let's get some texts, and then we're going to hear from uh, Sonny Dykes on uh, how TCU got to this national championship game tonight. But let's get some texts in first. Yeah, so on the topic of TCU and how they got to the national championship uh, in the year of our Lord, 2022, uh, I suppose January 2023. But he- here's my thought, Steely, and I've ruminated on this quite a bit over the course of the last week. And I want to be careful how I phrase this because I don't want to take anything away from what TCU has accomplished on the football field in 2022. But I think back to the Super Bowl run that the Carolina Panthers made in the 2015 season, where ultimately they lost to Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos in the Sheriff's final ride before retirement. That was Super Bowl 50. And I remember at that time I was still in high school. I was doing an hour-long radio show once a week. It was on Saturdays. And I remember having that conversation with my co-host leading into that game And we both expected Denver to win. But I remember thinking with regard to that Panther team and the run they made, it was the perfect storm for them throughout the course of that season. In that, I believe they went 15 and 1 in the regular season. Yeah, 15 and 1. I can't remember who they lost to. It might have been Seattle in the regular season, but they went 15 and 1. And I remember expressing my belief that you could play those 16 regular season games. 100 times over, and Carolina never wins 15 of the 16 again. It just felt like everything bounced their way, and it was chronically unrepeatable. And so, as I look at what TCU did in 2022, again, I don't want to take anything away from their run because it's been undeniably impressive. But I don't know that we're going to see this repeated again by this program or any similar program in the years to come just because 
I don't know that any of what went on this year is going to be repeated, can be repeated, because you think of how many different ways this season could have swung a different direction. The overtime contest with Oklahoma State when both those programs were 5-0, and facing off in Amon G. Carter Stadium. TCU is able to push to overtime OSU late. OSU had them on the ropes. And where does OSU end up at the end yeah, of the season? Crazy. Seven and six mm-hmm. with a loss in bowl season. And so to me, there is enough that fell just so and happened in such a way as to give TCU this path. Whether it comes down to their regular season competition or whether you look at a very odd college football playoff field that featured two Big Ten teams, neither of which looked like a world beater coming into the CFP. I don't know that the circumstances are going to align. I don't know that the stars are going to align in such a fashion as to allow a team like TCU to make this type of run on a regular basis. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight if Georgia punches them in the mouth early, you know. Um, But, you know, TCU, they keep finding ways, man. It's a little bit – I don't know. Are they somewhat similar to the 2000 Oklahoma team? Because they just kept – that Oklahoma team kept making plays to win games. Whenever they had to make a big play, it seemed to happen. They had the runner-up in the Heisman Trophy and Josh Heupel to Chris Winkie. Uh, you know, they. I think that Oklahoma team was like 17th in the country. Now, this TCU team was picked 7th in the conference coming in. Let's hear from Sonny Dykes. He okay. was asked uh, at a presser yesterday. Actually, this was the uh, sit-down that he had with uh, uh, Kirby Smart and Chris Fowler. How did TCU end up doing this, going from a 400-to-1 shot to win a national title to actually being in the game? You know, we supposedly lost – three of our top four players uh, through the transfer portal, you know, through the head coaching change. And, you know, I think in a weird way it galvanized our guys a little bit. I mean, I think that they they came together, um, they sacrificed for each other, they did all the little things that, that guys have to do. And, and, and it's been quite a ride. I mean, you don't have this kind of ride without, as Kirby said earlier, I mean, great leadership. The ball's got to bounce your way. You have to have just an unrelenting attitude and, and a desire to get better every single day. And you got to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder to prove people wrong. And these guys have had that all year. They've had a desire to, to work hard and to invest in each other. And it, it's got us here. And, um, you know, we haven't listened to any of the preseason expectations. You know, the, the challenge for us was, was not listening to people tell us how good we were when we actually became a pretty good football team. And our guys have done a great job of ignoring all the outside noise and focusing on what they have to do every day. There you go. So if Georgia wins this tonight, do you put Georgia as the number one program ahead of Alabama now? If they go back-to-back? I mean, it's it's very close either way. Yeah. But at risk of being prisoner of the moment, I would say, yeah, probably. mm -hmm. Winning back-to-back national championships – is an exceedingly difficult thing to do at any level in any sport. And we've seen Alabama do it, but when was the last time we saw anybody but Alabama do it? I'm like, that's a legitimate question because I don't know the answer offhand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska in the mm-hmm. mid 90s. That's what there it would have been. There you go. And that was a, di- that was a dynastic run for that oh, Nebraska that, program. That, uh, that was, you know, that what, 95 Nebraska team, arguably uh, the best of all time. I know there's some Miami teams. There's some. A lot of teams in that conversation, but certainly that Nebraska squad. 
is in the conversation. There's no doubt about it. All right, 405-651-3439. Any word on David Aguebu and what's going on uh, with that situation? From the text, uh, he said this texture says he made tackles but wasn't that physically opposing at the Mike linebacker. Is he transferring or going to draft? I'd like to see him more outside than middle, but not sure if he's fast enough. Not sure how he fits next season with OU if he comes back. Well, assuming he comes back, and I I don't think that's a guy that can reasonably make the jump to the NFL draft right now. Um, if that happens, if he is back in an OU uniform in 2023, I'll be honest. I don't think he retains a starting spot at linebacker because with another year in the system under his belt, I think Jaron Kanick is poised to break into the lineup. And David Aguebu is a big enough dude physically, an imposing enough guy that I think it's to his benefit if you let him put his hand in the dirt and move him to defensive end because I, I just don't think he's fast enough to play linebacker at the level that people expect him to play out at the University of Oklahoma. I'm with you on that. All right. Uh, Patrick, by the way, reminds us, unfortunately, it was USC in 2004 and 2005. Uh, Well, well, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Didn't they share one? Yeah, they shared one. They did share one. They shared one. LSU won the – yeah, they they, – I think LSU is kind of commonly regarded as the 2004 national champion. Now – I've always had a Southern Cal issue. That's part of my mule shoe deal as well. You know, the Sooners, it's interesting when you look at these series, if you go to Winsipedia, like Oklahoma's always had really good luck against Alabama for the most part. And But USC, it's been a different story. So, in, uh, you know, that night I was, I, was, I was a longhorn that night. I was a longhorn that night that Vince Young in Texas – they stopped Lindell White on that fourth down play to get the ball back, and then Vince Young led the Longhorns to the national championship. It's the only night I've ever been a Longhorn, but it was against USC that night in the Rose Bowl. I just I, – I don't know. The only thing I like, I think USC has cool uniforms. Other than that, I've got a big USC issue, including a family member who is a big USC fan who likes to talk a lot of trash, which is not fun. So that is part of where my meal shoe issue comes from as well. So right. you're telling me you'd have less of an issue with mule shoe if he coached anywhere else? Uh, probably not. I mean, if come but, on, he could have left Oklahoma. His only for, place he could have gone to is the NFL. Without you know, he committed a power five football felony, is what he did, in my opinion. So, yes. He could have left Oklahoma last year for, like, the Minnesota job, and you'd be every bit as upset. I promise you. You're probably right. All right, break time right here. We'll get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We do have our friend Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, coming up, Riverwind Casino Hotline, 405-651-3439. Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group for bringing us hour number two here in the ref. We're coming back on the home of Sooner fans. We are back. It is a Monday edition of Steel Man and Thune. We've got Parker back with us. Lighting up that Air Comfort Solutions text line again at 405-651-3439. Riverwind Casino, again, get out there and play with your wild card. You have until Friday. It's January 13th. 
to uh, rack up as many points as you can in the showdown in the desert promotion. They are giving away five trips to the Super Bowl out in Phoenix. All you have to do is play on these specific gaming machines that have the showdown in the desert uh, signage around them. They also have stickers on those machines. Real easy to find. I was out there Friday. You can see them very easily. Play on those machines. Rack up as many points as you can. You have until Friday, January 13th. And again, if you're in the top five, they're going to send you to the Super Bowl with everything you need. Game tickets, airfare, ground transportation, spending money, everything you need uh, for an enjoyable trip to the Super Bowl. And they are giving Five of those away, all right? So make sure you get out there and play. Play now. Get out there and play with your wild card. Get as many points as you can. Maybe you'll win one of the five trips to the Super Bowl they're giving away in the showdown of the desert promotion uh, when they tally up all the points on Friday. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Okay, Steely, I have a text that I want to get to. Go for it. this is not from the Air Comfort Solutions text line. This text came from a buddy of mine. Uh, who texted me individually and uh, probably doesn't realize I'm on the air. This is just a conversation he wanted to have with me, but I want to expand this conversation because I think it's a conversation worth having, especially in light of the fact that a program like TCU is getting ready to play in the national championship game tomorrow. And so I get this text, and my buddy says, you've seen Moneyball, right? And my response is, yeah, like 40 times. Yeah, Moneyball's a great movie. Yeah, and he says... Do you think right now it's possible in college football to buy players and wins, or is it strictly one or the other? Now, this is the scene in the movie that he's referring to. You can hear it straight from Jonah Hill. People who run ball clubs, they think in terms of buying players. Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. There you go. There you go, yes. You take a look at what Texas A&M and Miami and – Oregon and those types of programs have done over the last year and a half, right, they're thinking with the mindset of buying players and thinking that buying those players is going to translate into wins. But the second half of that clip, what I didn't play from Jonah Hill, is he goes on to add, in order to buy wins, you have to buy runs, right, which is fundamentally different than buying players. And that's kind of the foundation of the whole Moneyball concept that the movie is built around. And that the Oakland Athletics espoused and championed for 15 years while uh, Billy Bean and Paul DePodesta, which is the character that Peter Brand was built around in that movie. Analytics, too. They were all into it, right? Yeah, well, there's, again, I get to a certain point with analytics, and there's only so much that analytics can tell you within reason. But uh, what, what do you think, Steely? Like, as you look at the direction of college football right now, do you think it's possible to buy wins as opposed to buying players? And if so, how? I, you know, I think it's all about fitting your system, fitting your culture. Now, look, a great five-star player is going to fit just about anywhere if he's got, you know, the mindset that I want to go out and play, uh, you know, uh, and make some NIL money, but also be a great teammate, buy into everything, all of that. Uh, those guys are a dime a dozen. They're game changers. But I do like the culture that Brent's instilling. Now, I know everybody says, you know what, that culture is not going to be around if you keep winning six games a year. That is not going to happen. I think they're going to be improved next year. I don't know what they win, maybe eight or nine games. Who knows? Maybe they have a great breakout season. We'll see. But, yeah, I just don't think you can spend a bunch of money and put a bunch of guys together – uh, and not be thinking about chemistry. 
I definitely think chemistry plays into that. So we'll see. That's what Brent's trying to – again, they're playing the NIL game as best they can. They're not ignoring it, but um, that is not their sole focus, right? Their Here's- sole focus is bu- building a roster of really good players that they think are good for their system. Here's my question. I think back to the class that A&M put together a year ago, and I remember talking to several folks that gave me the indication that the total monetary value that was promised, not necessarily delivered, but promised to those players uh, that comprised the 2022 class for A&M was in the neighborhood of $30 million. So at what point is a program going to get serious about competing at a championship level and get their donors to pool together, say, $30 million, not for NIL purposes, but for a coaching staff slash assistant pool. Mm -hmm. At what point does a program say, screw it, we're going to assemble an all-star cast of characters on our coaching staff and let them go to work? Well, I mean, they have. They got brought in Bobby Petrino and DJ Durkin. I mean, come (laughs) on. Somehow Jimbo has there ever been a more unlikable trio than that? Like Somehow Jimbo is only the third third biggest dirt bag yeah. on his own staff because we all know the Bobby Petrino story DJ Durkin literally killed a kid at Maryland yeah and I of mean, course Jimbo is the head honcho of it all I mean it's like you can't make this stuff up at AM, right you just can't all right uh 405-651-3439 how many of those what do they have eight five stars in that class they had eight five stars. Yeah. How many of them are still there? I don't know. I haven't checked. But at, look, I said it at the time. I I'm very overwhelmingly confident in it at this point in time. Less than half that class, I would argue, significantly less than half will finish their career as Texas A&M Aggies. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what plays out there. So, all right, uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3430. Using the portal correctly can buy you wins. Here's here's something interesting. We played a clip from Robert Allen last week. He was on with Toby, and Toby was talking to him about what's going on at Oklahoma State. That's interesting. And um, But the part that I really liked of that conversation, Doug Meacham, who was at Oklahoma State, offensive coordinator, he had a conversation with the way they're approaching things at TCU. And he said they're going more after the portal than they are – high school kids, not that they're not going after high school kids, but for a couple of reasons. Number one, you can't leave immediately. You know, you have to sit out a year if you get somebody through the portal, which means, number one, they've all, a lot of these guys, even though they're leaving, they've already been through a college weight program and stuff like that. Plus, he believes that you can coach them harder because they can't, boom, just leave. So, I thought that was an interesting perspective on because I uh, do you have to as a head coach these days at some point you know go man I am gonna I am gonna ream this guy today until he gets this right oh wait a minute the portal I don't know if that goes on with a lot of staffs but I thought that was an interesting perspective that he feels like you can coach a portal guy harder than you can an incoming freshman and I think there's a lot of merit to that perspective I really do and. I hadn't really thought about it from that standpoint yet, but that makes a lot of sense. It does. And I can imagine that will translate as long as you can cultivate chemistry. couple texts here, uh, both from the 918. 
Venmo Fisher is surrounding himself with terrible people, so he looks like less of a scumbag. Another listener says, A&M goes any lower, they'll be shopping for coaches at the penitentiary. <laughs> Mickey Joseph to Texas A&M. Man, golly, that Mickey Joseph deal was so bad. I mean, just so bad. Also, here's a fantastic text. <laughs> Analytics can't explain P.J. Adebarre. <laughs> Big facts. Big I facts. I like that, man. He had a good week in Orlando, didn't he? He had a fantastic week, man. And that's my big thing with analytics. Yeah, they're valuable to a certain extent, but computers don't have eyes. Some guy right? said in the text line last week, Bye, Jackson Arnold, 12 and 23, 100 yards. What's the deal? Like he's already, it's a freaking all star game. All right. Is Paul Crew going to start in 2023 for AM? Old school Paul Crew is no longer available with Bird Reynolds, but maybe Adam Sandler can come in. Yes. The, the Longest Yard. What a great movie. Have you ever seen the original? You, no, I haven't. The original Longest Yard. It's really good. You need to go back and watch it at some point. I know you've got a lot of time right now, but at some point, put that on your calendar. Watch the original Longest Yard. Uh, one listener asks, Mule Shoe, go into the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, please blow it up on Twitter as first reported by Mike Steely Let's on do KRF. It. Lincoln Riley will be the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. If I can get Lincoln Riley to the NFL, my life of stress will be a lot less stressful. I mean, I know it shouldn't be stressful as it is. I know I need to get by this. But if we can get him to the NFL, I might. that might add five years to my life. If we can get Lincoln Riley to the NFL. Brian in Tulsa says, Jimbo going to ask, can Chris Beard coach football? Yeah. When is Art Bryles joining the staff? Oh, geez. The Mean Machine, yes, Patrick, The Mean Machine. The, you know, I thought Boz was obviously in the uh, remake, but uh, I still like the, the 70s Longest Yard. It's an absolute classic. All right, break time right here. We have Jesse Crittenden coming up. We've got more time for your texts as well, 405-651-3439. The Texans have fired their head coach, Lovey Smith, after one season – Obviously, Oklahoma ties, ties to the University of Tulsa. Lovey Smith out as the Texans' head coach. Coming right back here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. All right, a little rage coming back. Zach Della Roca, Tom Morello. One of the greatest combinations in rock and roll history, ladies and gentlemen. Like funky rock and roll history. All right, we are back, and we've got Jesse Crittenden joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline today. He'll be joining us here in just a second. Uh, Sooners do get help through the portal today. They uh, get a commitment. Uh, Devon Sears, who was down to Oklahoma, Penn State, and Tennessee, picked the Sooners earlier today. Over the weekend, Rondell Bothroyd, also the edge rusher from Wake Forest, uh, making an announcement for Oklahoma that did lose out uh, on Matt Lee, the UCF center who went to Miami. So Devon Sears, Rondell uh, Bothroyd. Uh, again, Sears from Texas State, interior defensive lineman, 6'2", 295. Rondell Bothroyd, accomplished edge rusher, Wake Forest. Uh, you get Jacob Lacey, you get Trace Ford, you get Deshaun McCullough. Uh, the punter, Luke Elzinga, Reggie Pearson Jr., the safety from Tech. Caleb Schaefer, the O-lineman from Miami of Ohio. 
and Austin Stogner so far through the portal. So there you go. Nice win for Jenny Baranchek and the Sooner Ladies yesterday. They went 82-79 over Iowa State. They are 12-2 on the season. Jenny Baranchek has done a fantastic job. No doubt about it. Iowa State, number 11 in the country. The Sooners, 17. Good matchup yesterday. Sooners win 82-79. All right, let's bring in Jesse Crittenden. All right, Jesse. What are you thinking tonight? TCU, Georgia, do the Frogs have a chance to complete this incredible run? I certainly think so. I've I've said it a few times, but count TCU at a TCU out at your own risk. Um, I do think Georgia holds an advantage in a few key areas athletically. Uh, I think they have a little bit more talent on both sides of the ball. But TCU not only I think has underrated talent on both sides, but I mean they they fought with uh, with heart and with intensity um, the entire year, and they they have a culture they believe in, they have a system they believe in. So I mean I, I think I think Georgia. I think it's a really competitive game for three quarters that Georgia eventually takes um, in the fourth quarter, but I think it's going to be really competitive, and it would not shock me if TCU uh, finds a way to, to win this one. Jesse, rate the work that this Oklahoma staff has done in the portal to this point. Nine additions thus far. We're looking at a tenth here potentially soon between either Tyrone Broden and maybe Andrell Anthony at the wide receiver position. We know the Sooners aren't done in the portal, but with their nine additions to date, most recently Devon Sears just a couple hours ago, how would you grade what this OU staff has done? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean they've done about as well as, as you could hope. I mean, I think one of the – it wasn't a big concern, but I mean, coming off a six and seven season that was really up and down. I mean, I think you had to worry a little bit about um, how that was going to seem to to not only recruits but transfer players. But I think this staff has done a really good job of not only I think fighting uh, through that, but they're they're filling some positions of great need, particularly um, on the defensive line. You mentioned you mentioned Devon Sears, um, but I mean, especially within the last. Uh, a couple of days, they've, they've really made um, some really good efforts to shore up the defensive line. I think an area that you know, a lot of us have seen as, as an area that they really need not only depth, but some additional talent. Um, so, I mean, I think they're, you know, I think they're doing a really good job of, of, of filling up some, some needs that they really, that they really need to fill. And I think it, considering the different areas that they're getting people to transfer in from, um, it seems like they're really doing their due diligence and, and scanning across the country um, for for different guys to put in through the portal. So, and and I think you're right. They're they're not done. I think the staff has has been working pretty tirelessly since I mean since before the season ended. I think in some ways, but yeah, I mean considering all of that, considering they're not really recruiting from a place of strength after a tough year, um, it, it, it's it'd be hard to do much better than they're doing right now. All right, Jesse Crittenden is our guest. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how many of these guys are impact guys because obviously when you go to the portal, you are wanting uh, immediate impact guys. That's what the portal is all about. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, um, and, and this was from a conversation that I found pretty good uh, with, uh, with Toby and Robert Allen talking about, you know, what's going on at Oklahoma State. And Robert brought up at one point that he had talked to Doug Meacham, who's been a, obviously – uh, with TCU and knows what's going on. And he said that their their aim right now, not that they blow off the high school kids, but 
that they're looking more at the portal right now because they believe since you come through the portal, you got you can't just leave after a year. You'll have to sit out a year if that's your decision. That these kids have already been in college programs, even though they've left, but they believe that you can coach up these portal kids harder because they can't automatically get unhappy and say, "I'm out of here." You know, that's it's more of a challenge for them. So. Um, I don't know. Does that seem like that's a perspective? I thought, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. And I do think, I mean, while the transfer portal, I think obviously a lot of the discussion has been around, uh, and Brent Venables has even talked about it, but how can you be sure of, you know, the loyalty or commitment level um, of kids, you know, that you get through the transfer portal. But, I mean, yeah, I think to the end, kind of the perspective you just mentioned, I think the other side of it, too, is that it's not it's not as easy as just saying you want to you want to transfer and go to a different school. Not only um, does that potentially hurt relationship you you made at your current school, but now you've got to look at um, you get you've got to look at moving. You've got to look at, you know, getting to a new spot and, and getting set up there, getting comfortable, meeting a whole new coaching staff, new players, coming in as a, as a new player to a system that's already established. So, I mean, yeah, I think, I think in some ways you can make the, the counter-argument that um, not only to the, to the benefits that you talked about with the transfer portal in terms of all, you know, their, their kids that already have experience um, at the collegiate level and maybe are, are, are more ready to play right away than some high school kids. But, I mean, I think in some ways if, if you get a transfer player that, that comes – uh, to your program, that means they they're willing to go through some of those stresses that that come from transferring and moving to a different spot because they like uh, your program, they like what you're selling them, they like how they can maybe fit in there. So yeah, I, I think a continuous balance moving forward is going to be um, how much you go through traditional high school recruiting and how much you go through the transfer portal. But um, it's hard to ignore some of the benefits of the transfer portal in, in terms of. You know, getting some, you're you're likely to get more experienced veteran guys, but that that may be ready to play right away, and and also have already gone through the recruiting process before. So, I mean, they they know what they're looking for, and they like what you've got there. And I think with OU, they've clearly got some guys that are coming in, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, that like what Brent Venables and and the staff is doing there, and want to find a way to contribute to it. Jesse, switching gears a little bit here, it seems that the Sooners' biggest bugaboo is an inability to close out close games. And, no, I'm actually not talking about the Sooners' football program. I'm talking about the Oklahoma basketball program. Now, that said, Oklahoma did it on Saturday night. Porter Moser's squad went to Lubbock, won a hotly contested overtime game in a hostile road environment against a very tough Red Raider basketball team. So, The Big 12, we know how difficult it is. I'm pretty sure it was making the rounds on social media a few days ago that the 10 Big 12 teams are the 10 teams with the hardest schedules the rest of the way in all of college basketball. So it's a meat grinder in that conference. We know this without question. But with where this team stands right now early on in conference play, how high you think these Sooners can fly in year two under Porter Moser? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you mentioned it, but I think that win at Texas Tech um, was really big for them in a variety, you know, for a variety of reasons. Not only is it always big to get a road win um, in the Big 12, but the way they did it, not only, uh, you know, finding a way to win a close game in overtime, another close game, but they did it, you know, after having a lead late in that game, and and they kind of flipped a little bit, and and Texas Tech was able to, 
um, to force that into overtime. But instead of instead of getting down, I think I think everybody watched and it was almost like you know here we go again. Oh, you hold the late lead and find a way to blow it late, but they didn't. They found a way to win it in overtime, and I think that was huge just to break the cycle. And the reality is that was the struggle that OU had last year. They were plenty competitive um, in the Big Twelve last year. They they were one uh, jump shot at you know at the end of the game um, from beating Kansas last year in Lawrence. But their problem was losing a lot of close games. So uh, I think what we've seen this year is it's. It is going to be a grind. I think the Big 12 might be from top to bottom better than it was last year, or, or certainly uh, there's less separation between the teams. I think the thing that OU has going for it, though, this year, and it's it's been talked about a lot, but, I mean, they didn't have a player um, like Grant Sherfield and, and even uh, freshman uh, Los Uzon. They didn't have guys like that last year that um, could create off the dribble, that could be – uh, real scores and really lead the offense. Now, Grant Sherfield has struggled uh, uncharacter- uncharacteristically a little bit the last couple of games, but still, uh, OU didn't have players like those two guys. And, and even though Grant struggled against Texas Tech, uh, Los, the freshman, comes in and, and scores 18 points and made some huge, crucial plays in that overtime. So I think it's still going to be a grind. I think OU is going to find themselves in a lot of close games this year. But I do think their ceiling is a little higher in part because of those two guys. But now it's going to be uh, that Texas Tech's win is, is a big one, but it's not going to get any easier. They're going to get in a lot of close games. Can those two guys and OU as a team find ways to win close games? And can they find ways to do it when they didn't do it last year? All right, we, ladies and gentlemen, always enjoy our conversations with Jesse Crittenden. Jesse, we appreciate it. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. We're going to take a break right here, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to hear from Baker Mayfield, what's ahead for the Sooner, former Sooner quarterback. We'll hear what he had to say yesterday. And 918 Tough Guy is back on the text line. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. This guy thinks he knows oh, how to do a radio show. What do you mean back? This was the first text he ever sent. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was the other 918 tough no, guy. No, we'll get into it. Oh, yeah. 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 This guy, he knows radio. Believe me. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Baker Mayfield, his stint with the L.A. Rams. He had the amazing drive in that Thursday night game, which was incredible. Two wins, three losses. Let's hear what Baker had to say yesterday. Baker in the uh, post game, talking to the uh, media out in L.A. about what's up for him now in the future that he's done with the Rams. Again, the Rams losing in overtime yesterday to Seattle. Obviously, that was big for Seattle, 19-16. to Here's how some of that conversation went down be honest with you last month and a half has been so damn crazy for me so i, I miss my wife i miss my puppy um uh, and take some time just to decompress a little bit um no nah, i mean gonna take some time away you know i I'm thankful for my time here this place has been unbelievable for me i think i'm gonna look back and be really really grateful for this short time period and, and the things i learned so we'll see what happens i have no idea uh, luckily got a few months for that but um yeah uh, i'm gonna take some time just to decompress we know, we know they like you. You like them. Yeah. You guys have all enjoyed working together, but Matthew being QB1 here, have you sort of thought about, in terms of after you take time away, what your process is going to be, and, and will you be looking to be a starter somewhere? Yeah, I mean, 
It's got to be the best opportunity. You know, I'm not going to go chase, chase a check to go start and play. Um, after seeing, uh, you know, a place that you know, makes me have fun playing football again, it's going to be hard to, to try something else new. But obviously, it's going to be a a big time decision. So there's going to be a lot of thought put into it. And, and you know, there's going to be a lot of changes off season all around the league. So there's nothing I can say right now that I think would, you know, be the true thing at the moment. So uh, we're just going to see what happens and uh, roll with the punches. Do you think you've played well enough to be a starting quarterback? Uh, I know I'm good enough to be a starting quarterback. Um, yeah, I have no doubt about that. It's, you know, Today, I'm not, I'm not real happy with how I played. Uh, you know, I'm going to kick myself over and over for not putting that ball on the sideline for Van on that last play. But, uh, no, I know I'm a starting quarterback. I'm confident in that. And, uh, we'll just see what happens. There Here's you go. all I heard. Baker Mayfield, dog person. I know. I love that. He can't wait to get back and see the puppy. He missed Man of the people, the Baker puppy. Mayfield. He missed the puppy. I, I like hearing that. So, you know, overall, yeah, I mean, he underthrew that ball yesterday that could have won the game for him. Um, you know, little t- he made it instead of a uh, like a seven iron. It was like a pitching wedge. But overall, you know, his experience with Sean McVay will probably help him. We'll see what happens. All right, we want to address this guy who has no clue what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, first off, somebody on the text line is trying to ruin your perception of Baker Mayfield. They said, have you ever noticed Baker sounds like Tebow? Can't help it, but it sounds like him to me. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, 918 Tough Guy, here we go. Hey, your station's tagline promises relentless, suffocating coverage of Sooner Sports. That's your job. Then do it. Stop wasting time talking about what you had for lunch or how your dad sneezes. If you can't find three hours a day worth of Sooner Sports content to talk about, then maybe you should walk away and find somebody else to do it. <laughs> Uh, the nameless tough guy who thinks he knows how to do it. All right, here's all we've done today, nameless tough guy, for OU. We talked about the portal editions twice. We did. We ranked the portal editions twice. We talked about still who's out there for OU. Yes, indeed. Twice. We talked about the 2023 class. We also talked about the OU signees and how they played in the All-American game that Parker watched in San Antonio. That happened. We heard from Porter Moser, sound bites, breakdown of the game. We just heard from Baker Mayfield. Did we, we not talked, also discuss the wide receiver coach situation? We did, yes, everything. So listen, loser, you got like a two-minute sample. You have no idea what the hell you're talking about, all right? None. <laughs> I'm so tired of some of these losers. I Seriously. I, I, you know, normally I, I, I understand criticism, but this dude has no idea what the hell he's talking about. I love so it. shut <laughs> the hell up. You're a complete idiot. I love it when my Steely God. cocks the shotgun oh on the rocking this, chair on the back This guy <laughs> had no idea what he's talking about. Sounds like a Traber Burner account. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm just, I, this guy, I'm like, look, loser, we talked... 90% OU sports. How Well, we got off on something for a second that this idiot didn't like, all right, who's never done a show in his life. So shut the hell up and block that idiot. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, Steely's on one today. I, he's, this guy, he's not about to well, be Well, this guy had not listened to the show. Bobby from Austin said, Cheeto fingers from the 918. Oh, my gosh. I don't like getting that worked up, but I'm telling you. Doug, I don't want to hear from you either. 
Oh, Justin and Kawita, love it. Tell them what's up, Steely. Well, Hilarious. I mean, look, we kind of know what we're doing here, all right? We we kind of know what we're doing here. Loser. I'm telling you, I got to get out of here. I'm so mad seeing that. Literally talked OU. I'm sitting here wondering, do we talk about the Thunder at all for a couple minutes? I don't believe we've spoken the name Shea Gilgis-Alexander in at least a week. Yeah, I mean, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> Burley Boomer says, some people need to be dishonorably discharged yes, from the ref army. I'm telling you, that just, uh, listen to the show, you freaking idiot. That loser just got under your skin. Yes, I know. My wife's told me to calm down. I can't. I can't. All right, we got to get out of here. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for all the people who know what we're trying to do here. How dare you get away with talking about your dad's sneeze for a second. Shut the hell up. All right. 2023 Steely is not here to play around. Oh, my gosh. What an <laughs> idiot. All right. Yeah, I brought up the thunder on the radio and got slapped. Yeah, I, I hear you, True. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful Monday.